Happy holidays and welcome to Fantastic History. I'm Clay. I'm Sarah. We're a husband and wife duo who enjoy telling each other about amazing events, people, and mysteries throughout history. Sarah, the Christmas season is upon us. Yes, 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 yes. It is now mid-December. And as we are wrapping our presents and baking cookies for Santa and telling ghost stories around the fire, <laughs> I was, of course, reminded of the most famous ghost story of the season, A Christmas Carol. Yeah. It's a favorite of many, both in uh, book form and the many films. The Muppets. Yeah. It's a great story, and it all hinges on the main character, Ebenezer Scrooge. And Dickens describes him perfectly in the first chapter of his book. He was a tight-fisted, hand-to-the-grindstone Scrooge, a a squeezing, retching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner, hard and sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out a generous fire, secret and self-contained, as solitary as an oyster. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his thin lips blue, and on his eyebrows and his weary chin. He carried his own low temperature always about him. He iced his office in the dog days and didn't thaw at one degree at Christmas. Pretty despicable man. And I will say most of that is said in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Yeah. Either by Gonzo or in the song about Scrooge. Yeah. So, you know, check that out if you haven't seen it in a while. It's definitely the best Christmas Carol. Yeah. Yeah. So the question I had, and I've had for a while, was, was Scrooge based on a real person? Oh, boy. Was it an amalgamation of different people? Or was he mostly a fictional creation to to sort of stand in as the the general greed and hatefulness and misery? Mm -hmm. He sounds pretty terrifying. Like when you have all of that together, like that whole part you were just reading when you're getting all that information in one chunk, like he sounds scary as hell. He really does. He sounds like the kind of guy you wouldn't want to, you wouldn't have to want to have to ask for help. No. Well, I decided to find out. Who is this miserable miser (laughs) whose very name has become synonymous with being a joyless, lonely, cold cheapskate? (laughs) What a bummer if it's you. Right? Oh, that's got a sting. Wouldn't you hate to be listening and be like, oh, no, they said my name. (laughs) I'm 300 years old, but you know what? I keep up with podcasts. (laughs) Now, since A Christmas Carol has been wildly popular ever since it was first published. Many theories and rumors have been suggested over the years. The first one I want to look at is a man who shares a very familiar name, Ebenezer Lennox Scroggy. Oh no! That's not even subtle. The story suggests that Dickens came across Scroggy's tombstone in Canongate Kirkyard in 1841. Perhaps looking for old names to use in his stories, or perhaps it was just a nice place to walk. When he came across Scroggy's grave, he liked the name, which he did. He would have had to modify, but only a little bit. Yeah, just slop another O in there. But he was also captured by the inscription on the grave, 
Mean Man. <laughs> Got him. And Dickens wrote in his notebook, To be remembered through eternity for only being mean seems the greatest testament to a life wasted. Wow. However, Dickens had misread the inscription. The inscription actually read, Meal Man. What? What? Because Scroge, in life, had been a food trader and had been King George IV's caterer. In later research into the story, economist Peter Clark discovered Scroge's identity and found that he had actually been a nice guy and not a mean man Uh at all. Oh, dear. I will say, though, like, I'd honestly rather have mean man than meal man on my tomb. Like, what the hell? Well, imagine you are the caterer to a king, and then you die... And yeah. then people are just like, what a bastard. <laughs> I know. Like, no, no, I, was, I, I made great food. But you could put something like King's Caterer instead of Mealman. Yeah, maybe it was by, maybe they had to pay by the letter. They must have. That's nuts. Let's keep it quick and simple. Come uh, on, we got, uh-huh. we got things to do. Yikes. So this story of having misread the grave of this poor man and tied him to one of the one of fiction's most miserable monsters is really nice Mm -hmm. it's a nice story the problem with the story well there's a lot of problems with the story the 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 probably the most the worst is that the gravestone is lost oh no it may have um been lost during the restoration of the graveyard in 1932 Mm. If it exist, if it had existed at all, I also tried and could not find a copy of Dickens' notebook to even confirm the quote that is scattered all over the internet that I just read to you. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't. Interesting. I couldn't find any evidence that this story is real at all. Huh. So unfortunately, since I can't confirm it true or fictional, in part or in whole, I have to mark it as suspicious. Okay. Possibly completely made up. I respect that. Unless we can get our hands on that notebook. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But it doesn't really matter that much because even if it were true, Scroge would be Scrooge in name only. Right. He would not be the inspiration for the personality of the miser who's so greedy he wouldn't even close his business on Christmas or light a fire to keep him and Bob Cratchit warm. Right. For that, we need to look to John Elwes, the MP for Berkshire. Uh-oh. Born April 7th, 1714, John came from wealth and prestige. Mm. He was originally born John Meggett and received his first inheritance from his father at the age of four. Wow. Okay, great. Pretty bad. Yeah. And when his mother died, he, in- he inherited the entire estate. And then in 1763, his uncle, Sir Harvey Elwes, died and left John the equivalent of $40 million today. Oh, my. This is when he changed his name to John Elwes and when he infamously began his miserly ways. So when you get the most amount of money possible, that's when you decide that you're just going to be like, you know what? I actually don't want to spend any of it on anything. Yeah, perhaps. Weird. 
the, some, some parts of the story that I read, and again, some of these things you don't know if they are true or if mm. they've been embellished, suggested that both his mother and his uncle had been very stingy and frugal as well. Okay. So it could have been something that he sort of inherited as well, or it could have just been the more you get, the more you don't want to lose what you got. Mm. You know? Yeah. Who knows? And there could have also been mental illness con- sure. contributed to it. But it's said that he dressed in rags, walked in the rain to avoid paying for a carriage, and sat in his wet clothes instead of drying them in front of a warm fire. That's just taking it too far. He's even credited as wearing a wig that he found in a shrub. (laughs) (laughs) Which I am not entirely convinced was a wig and not just the carcass of some poor animal. Right. Yeah, I can see that totally. Another story was that he once visited a doctor because he had a cut on both of his legs. Well, two cuts. Mm -hmm. It doesn't elaborate as to how he got this injury. But he made a wager with the doctor that he only treat one leg. And if the other leg got better first, he would not pay his bill. (sighs) And guess what? What? He won the bet. What? Yeah. The untreated leg got better first. Apparently it did. Interesting. So his home fell into disrepair and leaked when it rained because he didn't want to pay for the repairs. (sighs) He would eat rancid food instead of buying fresh. Oh, come on. And he would go to bed as soon as the sun went down so he wouldn't have to buy candles. I don't even know what to say. And his bizarre behavior earned him the name Elwes the Miser. Okay. But he was truly, was he truly the inspiration for Scrooge? Because it does, so far it does seem kind of right. Mm-hmm. Scrooge, I don't, I don't know if there's been a, a, a story or a version of these Christmas Carol where he's like dressed in rags. He's always seemed like he's put together pretty well. Yeah. He they, just, they weren't like as nice of clothes as he could afford. Yeah. But he, he wasn't wearing rags or like a shrub wig. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So was this the inspiration for Scrooge? Well, not in full. Maybe in part. Because as frugal as Elvis was, he was also very generous. He would lend money to others, even without being asked. And not without the jacked up terms that Scrooge would have used. Okay, so this especially doesn't make sense to me. So it's not that he's hoarding his money. Mm -hmm. He just won't spend it on himself in any way, shape, or form. Mm. That's very strange. Well, check this out. If you remember how I introduced him, he was a member of British Parliament. Oh, yeah. And financed the construction of parts of London, including Oxford Circus, Piccadilly, and Baker Street. Oh, I know Baker Street. After his death, Edward Topham wrote his biography, Life of the Late John Ellis, which became a bestseller in Dickens' time. So he would have known about him. Interesting. And Topham wrote of Elwes, his public character lives after him pure and without stain. In private life, he was chiefly an enemy to himself. Mm. To others, he lent much. To himself, he denied everything. Odd. Very odd. So perhaps we have a contender for the miser Scrooge, Mm -hmm. the cheapskate Scrooge. But what of Scrooge's misery? His hate for Christmas and all things merry. 
Well, there are contenders. Um, as it was not very difficult to find miserable, wealthy, greedy men. <laughs> it never is. Never. It never is. Never. Uh, Jimmy Woods stands out as a possibility. He was a banker in Gloucester, known as the richest commoner in England at the time. Hmm. He was also extremely frugal, but was also mean. To the point it is said that his funeral procession was pelted with stones and <gasps> jeers. I love this. Right? I love it. So that's pretty bad. That's how we should celebrate every time like a billionaire dies. We should throw rocks at them and call them assholes. Well, Dickens certainly knew of him. He was mentioned by name in Dickens' last novel, Our Mutual Friend. Interesting. So perhaps Woods helped inspired Scrooge. Yeah. But I saved the most surprising thing I found for last. Ooh. And people who know Dickens and read Dickens will pro probably know this already. But I don't think it's very well known to the common person who doesn't read a lot of Charles Dickens. I think the only thing I've read for myself was um, Great Expectations in 1998 when I was forced to read it in middle school. Yeah. And I probably only read bits and pieces because I was so bored. Sure. So I'm sure I don't know. Makes sense. Well, there is one man so vile and joyless and hateful that he made Scrooge look Kind of nice. Oh, oh, oh. He has a direct connection to Charles Dickens and was written about a few years before A Christmas Carol was printed. So the timeline adds up in everything. Mm -hmm. And better yet, he hated Christmas. <gasps> Specifically hated no. Christmas. Why? Because he is a hateful, mean man. Is it Krampus? No. Oh. His name was Gabriel Grubb. <laughs> okay, great. And he was the character in a short story called The Story of the Goblins Who Stole a Sexton. And this story was written by Charles Dickens. Interesting. So this story is a chapter from his novel, The Pickwick Papers. Okay. It, it sort of falls into like a little short story. In its own chapter. Sure. And it's about a miserable, hateful grave digger. Ooh. And he's digging a grave on Christmas Eve. Mm. And he's just the most despicable man. Because he's like, he's got his the coffin in the grave. And he's talking about, ha ha, a Christmas box. What? Yeah. Terrible. So he's, 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 uh, he's just reveling in his just misery mm -hmm. on Christmas Eve when he is captured and abducted by goblins. <laughs> and the goblins take him to their cave where they show him visions of the errors of his ways. Oh. And he is eventually released and has a change of heart as a result of the ordeal. Interesting. Does. Sounds a little familiar. A little bit. The parallels... To a Christmas Carol are obvious. Yeah. Grub is a less fleshed out character, but more miserable than Scrooge's character. Mm -hmm. Both are 
basically kidnapped on Christmas Eve. Right. By powerful, otherworldly beings and shown parts of their lives to help them change their attitudes and hearts. However, Grub's change of heart is not very explored mm-hmm. at the end. Um, his new appreciation for life really doesn't benefit anyone else. We also don't get to sympathize with Grub as we do Scrooge, as we learn more about him and his past and kind of what led to him being so solitary, right? right? For Grub, we see we don't see anything like that. It seems clear that the story of the goblins who stole a sexton is a Christmas Carol first draft. Yeah. The full novel allowed him to flesh out the story from a single encounter in a goblin court to a full night with three Christmas ghosts. And it allowed Dickens to flesh out his main character. Grubb was created to be the most miserable man you could think of. Just He, he must have been like, I'm going to write down just the, the the most hateful thing I can I can put on paper <laughs> so that his redemption is like all the more impactful although it's a short story you can't really go very deep into it mm-hmm. that was the idea right I mean the the man literally beats a child with a lantern because the boy was singing a Christmas song oh, okay that's too far right that's too far so he toned down the evil for Scrooge so that we could eventually sympathize with him and believe in his redemption. Right. So it seems perfectly plausible to conclude that the true inspiration for Scrooge was Gabriel Grubb. He was the most hateful man put to pen. Grubb needed no inspiration. Just as, just imagine the worst person you could, and there he is. And Scrooge was molded from that. Okay. Makes perfect sense to me. Yeah. But I do believe that the character was further developed through his miserly ways by people like Elwes. Yeah, that makes total sense. Makes total sense. To end this episode, Sarah, as many of you could guess, Sarah really loves a Muppet Christmas Carol. (laughs) I do. So I have put together some Muppet Christmas Carol trivia (gasps) to share. All of us. Honey. And this was not even planned. I didn't know this. (laughs) I knew she was going to mention Muppet Christmas Carol. You gotta. I didn't know she would mention it twice. (laughs) I've been trying not to mention it ever since the last time I brought it up. (laughs) I was like, I don't think he wants me to keep talking about the Muppets. Well, I didn't want to give away the spoiler. But I had planned for it. I was so excited. So Muppet Christmas Carol was director Brian Henson's directorial debut. Yeah. The Ghost of Christmas Past's effects. If you remember, The Ghost of Christmas Past doesn't look anything like any Muppet. It's that creepy doll. Yes. With like no body. Yeah. Yeah. So it was created. um, They they made a special puppet that was operated in a tank of water. And then green screened into the movie to make it look like it was floating. Wow. I mean, I, I still wish they hadn't done that. I really. <laughs> every every time we watch that, we're both just like, I hate her. I can't. Like, she's so frightening and upsetting to look at. It's the only thing that looks really like a ghost. Yeah. And I don't think you're supposed to be frightened and upset when you look at her because she's, she's a little girl. I think you're supposed to feel a little creepy. Well. A little creeped out. I certainly do. In the commentary, the creators relate a funny story from the screenings. 
A few children asked what the bookkeepers did wrong to get coal at the end. <laughs> yeah. I never thought of it like that. It slipped their minds that Santa gives bad children coal. Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> I've never thought about that. Me either. And before production began, Sir Michael Caine, who plays Scrooge, mm -hmm. told producer and director Brian Henson, I'm going to play this movie like I'm working with the Royal Shakespeare Company. <laughs> I will never wink. I will never do anything muppety. I'm going to play Scrooge as if it is an utterly dramatic role and there are no puppets around me. And Henson replied, yes, bang on. <laughs> and I mean, he really does. He does. He is not there for a good time. There is not a single look at the camera and wink. Mm -hmm. There's no nudge. There's no, there's nothing. He doesn't give in to the silliness at all. No. It's so good, you guys. It is a very quality movie. Now, to clarify, Brian Henson, that's Jim Henson's son? I believe so. Okay. I think we looked it up last time we watched the movie because we were like, Brian Henson? That can't be a coincidence. But I, then I can't remember, so. <laughs> but I think it was. Well, hey, if you remember, why don't you shoot us an email, oh fantastichistorypod at gmail.com, because <laughs> this is the end of the episode, where I say thank you for listening and spending time with us today. If you liked this episode, leave us a rating and a review. It really helps us out a lot. And you can also check us out on Instagram at fantastichpod, and now on TikTok at fantastichistorypodcast. And until next week, bye. Bye.